Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Fanalist Podcast. Today coming at you on a Tuesday, uh, we'll be wrapping up, uh, rounding up, I beg your pardon, on uh, the tournaments in Acapulco and Dubai last week and previewing the first Masters tournament of the year. Uh, as always, joined by Marcus Ali. Marcus, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Excited to get the Masters 1000 circuit underway for the year we had you know, a horribly little amount of these tournaments. I think it was just three last year, obviously due to the enforced break. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. And obviously with a few uh, of the bigger players pulling out, it, it's just another opportunity for some of the up-and-coming players to get even more points being a, being at a bigger tournament. So, yeah, a really big opportunity for a lot of players. And it's definitely going to be exciting to watch. So yeah, we will be spending uh, a good amount of time later on talking about the Miami Open, the first uh, of the Masters tournaments this year. But we will start by uh, reacting to the finals of the two tournaments last week, uh, both at the 500 level on the ATP World Tour. Uh, The first being in Acapulco, Mexico, uh, and then the second being in Dubai. Uh, now, Acapulco uh, was the actually the top seed against the second seed, I believe, uh, in Alexander Zverev beating Stefano Tsitsipas 6 or 7-6 in the final. Uh, potentially an upset in my mind, uh, considering you know, Tsitsipas ranked a couple of places higher, um, probably had the slightly better start to the year with that massive win over Nadal at the Australian Open, but a, a fantastic win. Alexander Zverev, who, who had a, a brilliant week. And actually, despite that first round exit in Rotterdam to Alexander Bublik a couple of weeks ago, he's not had a bad start to the year at all, Zverev. I know there was that uh, the the loss to Djokovic at the Australian Open, which I think we think he probably could have made a bit more of. He had opportunities in that match. But, um, you know, outside of Bublik, Novak Djokovic and Daniel Medvedev are the only two players to beat him this year. Uh, and, and being top two ranked players in the world, you could maybe expect that. So I don't, I don't mean it's been a terrible start to the year for Zverev at all. And, and this title is obviously definitely the highlight for him so far this year. It's a title that, uh, you know, Nadal won last year, uh, a, a tournament that attra- attracts some some brilliant players. Hence why we saw these two players in the final. Um, but but would you say overall, Marcus, um, a, a bit of an upset with Zverev? Beating Tsitsipas, I think we both just about fancied Tsitsipas and Zverev actually took a 5-1, uh, sorry, Tsitsipas actually took a 5-1 record into that match against Zverev. So um, a second win in seven for Zverev against Tsitsipas. Um, I, th- I think it's hard to call it an upset. You know, that's Zverev's 14th title and Stefanos Tsitsipas has only won five in comparison. So given that and the pedigree and just the sheer winning behind him, it's uh, it's hard to call it an upset. I think I was surprised a little bit. Um, Sitsipas has been a little bit complacent in the last few weeks. He's been dropping sets here and there and making hard work of quite a fair few wins, particularly um, in Rotterdam. 
Um, you know, he kind of threw away a set and ended up having a having to really grind out against Felix Jorge Aliasim in in Acapulco on route to this final. So, although I expected him to win, I, I didn't expect him to sort of um, if Zverev was going to bring his best game, which it, I mean it wasn't outstanding, but it was it was comfortably better than Sitsipas's. I probably would have said, you know, it, it will be really close and Zverev's got a good chance because. Yeah, I, I, I thought Sitsipas was playing a little bit better. That's why I went for him at the start of the tournament because I thought, I thought that Sasha Zverev could have trouble making it to the final. But in the end, yeah, he's played really well. And I think it just, the fact that we're even debating it being an upset speaks volumes really to how the positivity behind Alex Alexander Zverev has dis- decreased in the last year or so. You know, nine more titles than Sitsipas, and he's only one year older. Um, is it, quite astonishing, really. So, you know, maybe we need to show a little bit more respect to him. I know um, you've spoken in the past that you think it might be extremely difficult for him to, to win a Grand Slam in his career. But, you know, this being a, you know, a, a slower hard court, I think sits a, it did suit Sitsipas a little bit more than Zverev, who, yeah, rightfully in my eyes came in as a, I don't know if outside is the right word, he wasn't a, a massive the un- unfancied play. I'm sure there are plenty of people that were confident that he'd get the job done here. But, um, you know, given... I-, I don't think we can call it an upset. It, it was a great match. Tense in the end in that uh, that second set tie break. Yeah, well, I, I completely see what you're saying there in, in terms of it maybe not being a massive upset, but uh, I think definitely uh, the, the way that Zverev won it as well with it being straight sets... Uh, and considering that 1-5 record he had going into the match, uh, I, I, I was really, really impressed. Um, if we just look back at the, the semi-finals quickly, both Marcus and I uh, had given both Lorenzo Massetti and Dominic Cope for really good chances against Sitsipas and Zverev. They didn't really happen to come off. Uh, Sitsipas actually beat Lorenzo Massetti very comfortably, 6-1, 6-3. Uh, that's a young Massetti who'd beaten Diego Schwartzman and Grigor Dimitrov uh, in in his wins in the week uh, previous, and that for me just sort of solidified my expectation for Sitsipas to win this match. As Verev got through against Dominic Kopfer, who was also having a fantastic week. I think Milos Raonic, I think it was he beat uh, six four seven six. Um, the result of the tournament uh, in the rankings, Zverev is almost a thousand points actually above Andre Rublev, uh, who is ranked just one place lower than him. Uh, so really solidifies Zverev's position in that top seven, uh, especially for a lot longer, even if uh, he does go on to have a little bit of poor form. And he's actually only 300 points now behind Roger Federer, uh, who you will expect uh, will be dropping points when he comes back. He's obviously got a lot to defend at Wimbledon later this year with uh, having been the runner-up, which will be the bulk of where most of his points have come from. Uh, so Zverev, I think, in terms of ranking-wise, is, is looking strong and, and, and could even be returning to that top six, really, sort of post-summer uh, after Wimbledon, providing uh, he, he pulls off some good results. And I don't think, from memory, he's got many points to defend at Wimbledon later this year. Um, but yeah, that's uh, generally what I was going to say on the Mexican Open at Acapulco, Marcus. I don't know if you've got anything else to add on this one. I know Marcus puts his thumb up. Uh, the second tournament, uh, the Dubai Duty Free 500 uh, in, well, Dubai, 
of course. Uh, the fairy tale story for Aslan Karatsev continues. Uh, he is very, very determined to make sure that that fairy tale is not ending at the semi-final of uh, Melbourne, uh, Melbourne even. Um, he beats uh, Lloyd Harris 6-3, 6-2 in the final. Uh, this after a semi-final win of 6-2, 4-6, 6-4 against the massively informed Andre Rublev ending the, I think, 23 match streak uh, at 500 level for the Russian, uh, the Russian Rublev, that is. And um, just fantastic. He's, he's playing so well. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of him over the last couple of months, considering I've never seen any more, uh, never seen any of him play prior to 2021. Uh, he's looking absolutely fantastic. The way he hits the ball, he just hits the ball like he, he just isn't worried, you know, and I think we can understand that at the Australian Open, he was hitting the ball like there was no pressure on him. I think just coming into this final, perhaps there was some pressure on him with uh, him being fancied as favourite against Lloyd Harris, who also hadn't won a title at this point. Um, and, and it's a fantastic win for, for Aslan Karatsev, who has just been the player of the year by a mile this year. He's really taken the, the tennis world by storm. He's now up to a career high of 27 and bear in mind on this day two months ago he was ranked 113th and on this day last year he was ranked 253rd uh, so amazing climb for the Russian and I know Marcus has said to me on our uh, DMs he might even be considered a threat at Miami this week with a lot of the big names pulling out and, and the way he's playing at the moment I 100% agree with him I think Karatsev is really going to be one to watch at the Miami Open this week. Yeah, for sure. He's got a, a nice little quarter, I'd, I'd say, as well. Um, you know, starting, in, he'll have a bye and then he'll play either Jack Draper or Mikhail Kukushkin in the second round, so which I can see him as a nice match to ease him into the tournament. You know, obviously he's played quite a lot of tennis in the last couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited about Karatsev's chances this week with the absence of, uh, you know, Djokovic, Nadal, Federer team. Um, you know, that pushes him up in the sort of inform best players um, at this event. So, uh, yeah, very exciting. Um, you know, the, the big win last week was the Rublev one for me. Obviously, he fought so well to beat Evans, Sinner and Sonego um, along the way. You know, quite a fair few three-setters. Um, but yeah, I expected him to to get past Harris quite easily. I think we we both uh, said that he'd do it in straights. I'm pretty sure we both said that. Um, but you know, a great week for Harris, all the same, and he's up to a career high of 52 in the rankings, which um, wasn't something I necessarily expected to see this year. Um, so yeah, he'll be he'll be looking for uh, to, you know to to really kick on in in Miami this week, and maybe he can break the top 50. Although he'll have a a change of opponent in the first round, of course, won't he? Yeah, we'll come on to that later uh, with, with Lloyd Harris, was supposed to play Andy Murray, who has just withdrawn from Miami. Uh, one question I was going to ask you, Marcus, just came into my head. Uh, on the wider picture of Aslan Kratzev, I think so far we've just been talking about how amazing this achievement is at the age of, I think, 27, isn't he, or 28? He's, he's sort of in the middle of his career. Uh, and out of nowhere, he's now 27 in the world. 
obviously we don't want to be putting too much pressure on him because you know this is a guy we hadn't really heard of a couple of months ago but playing the way he did he is at the moment now ranked 27 with that amazing progression that he's had what do you think you should be aiming for this year Kratz said like I know you could probably argue he's probably already achieved what he was aiming for to waste past it but at this point now you know you've got nine months left of the year eight months left uh, of the tour uh do you think, you know, with, with progression this high, is it insane to think that he could be aiming for the top 10, 15 by the end of the year? Well, I think obviously he's ticked off, gets to the last four of a Grand Slam. He's ticked off his first career title. He's ticked off getting the top 32, top 30. So I think he'll just be approaching it uh, week by week, um, just seeing how long. I mean, it's probably unsustainable to think that this form can continue for the whole year um i'm not sure how he'll fare on the clay courts probably not as good as the hard but he could still could still be a big a big threat um so i think he'll probably be hoping to just have a solid clay court season you know he hasn't he hasn't proved that he can be a top 100 player on that surface yet so that might be an immediate aim but i think maybe top 20 first um and if he can be there by the end of the year, which you know, this rate definitely will be, yeah, I wouldn't be. If I was him, I wouldn't be thinking or thinking about getting to the ATP World Tour Finals just yet. Um, you know, there is a very long way to go. So I think top twenty is the next milestone. But you know, he definitely wants to prove that he can he can do it on on, on a clay court, which of course. You know, we'll see the majority of tour events being on that surface in the next few months. Yeah, completely uh, see what you're saying there. Just um, one thing to bear in mind, though, um, last year when he did come back after that, fun, uh, after sorry, after that first uh, uh, lockdown, he did begin playing clay court challenger tournaments, albeit uh, a bit of a level below the clay court tournaments that are coming up, uh, made the final in Prague, losing to Stan Ravrinka, of all players, who won the uh, the Challenger tournament out there in August, then won uh, the Prague tournament the next week, actually beat Stan Ravrinka in that tournament, um, Ravrinka obviously being on a bit of a comeback at that point, and then won another title uh, in Ostrava a couple of weeks later. So does have three clay court finals on the Challenger tour in a row, uh, beating the likes of Ernest Gulbis, uh, Thomas McCack, uh, as I say, Stan Ravrinka, uh, beating Ernest Gulbis twice, actually, in two weeks on that surface, who's a former quarter-finalist at the French Open. So, of course, um, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves and say that he's going to be this good on clay as well. Uh, but, he, you know, he got to the last round of qualifying uh, for the French Open last year, losing to Sebastian Corder. Uh Looking at his history on the Challenger Tour, there are a lot of signs and indications that he could be quite a handy clay court player as well. So I will be very excited to see how well he gets on on the uh, clay courts later, uh, well, in the next couple of months. Uh, that's pretty much it now um, on last week's tennis with uh, Alexander Zverev and Aslan Karatsev being your two winners of the 500 tournaments. Uh, and in the next part, we will go on to have a look at the Miami Open. Yeah. 
So, uh, as we touched on earlier, Miami is the first Masters tournament back this year. And as Marcus said, uh, having only having three of nine last year, we've been starved of Masters entertainment uh, tournament. I think we're very excited about. However, there are uh, a lot of withdrawals. Uh, some people might like that because it can make it a bit more open and wider. Others, however, uh, perhaps a little bit like myself, think it's a bit of a shame considering perhaps some of the uh, the achievement sort of gets a little bit tarnished sometimes uh, if it's a much more weaker field. Um, Andy Murray, uh, the big withdrawal just happening in the last couple of hours uh, after his sort of comeback to the sport uh, in the last couple of months, he's withdrawn due to a groin problem. Uh, he said that he was having no problems in training. However, on Friday, uh, he was waking up in the night and he was actually struggling to walk, he said. Um, he's twice a winner at Miami, uh, but but really sad news for Andy Murray that uh, he's been feeling no problems in training or so, he says. And uh, and then all of a sudden he's, he's struggling to walk and it must feel a little bit just like a, a broken record for Murray. You know, he gets so far, he gets... Um, starting to look good at tournaments, doing all right on the Challenger Tour recently and then obviously returning to the main tour. Um, but there's just a real question here now. I know we've had this conversation a lot just on his wider health and, and the wider issue and, you know, is it sustainable? But the idea that he could return to tour and, and play sort of, I think we all can understand he's not going to be playing too regularly on tour, but is there now really just the, the sort of question that possibly you might not really be able to return to tour in any sort of regular regular occurrence? It is a worrying setback for sure, yeah, because it's it's a different part of his body. No, it's not the the hip, of course. He's had so much work done on. So, yeah, it is a real, um, you know, it's a massive blow um, for him. I think he had a really tough first round match in the end. Um, but yeah, it's really, I, I'm gutted for him to be honest. Um, you know, he took his time on the challenger tour, trying to get a bit of fitness, then went in at, uh, Rotterdam, I think it was, yeah, got, got that win over Robin Harser. So yeah, a master's event was probably something that he was building towards in his, in his sort of training routines, um, over quite a long period of time in, in managing his body. So yeah, it's one hell of a setback. And yeah, it just continues to put um, his uh, near future in more and more doubt, uh, to be honest. So yeah, very, very, very disappointing for him. Yeah, obviously it's very early days since the announcement, announcement but I can't see anywhere, uh, any indication yet of when he's aiming to come back for. Obviously, uh, I'm sure Wimbledon is the real aim for Murray. You know, he'd love to play that tournament again because unfortunately the situation with him now is that you just don't know when it's going to be the last tournament, uh, the last time Murray could play a tournament and hit hoping we'll be able to have some fans at Wimbledon later this year with it being uh, in July. He, he must really be hoping that he can make that tournament. But of course, uh, really worrying times, uh, as you say, Marcus. Um, just moving on down the very lengthy withdrawal list, we won't go through every player. Um, Novak Djokovic uh, withdrew, I think it was earlier this week. Uh, he said, I've decided to use this precious time at home to stay with my family. 
uh, with all the restrictions, I need to find balance with my time on tour and at home. Um, completely understandable comment from Djokovic with obviously having a young family. Uh, we've seen Gilles Simon recently sort of just uh, abandon the tour, uh, not really wanting to play and leave his family at the, the weird times we're living in. Um, I, I don't really want to read into a wider uh, read into a, a wider picture. I'm sure Djokovic does really just want to spend time with his family uh, at home. However, a, a little part of me does maybe tell me that uh, some of these decisions come from the fact that loads of other players are pulled out. I don't know if you you think that, Marcus, if that could be any indicator of, of it or or, or if you, you do just think it's completely genuine. Yeah, he's in his early 30s. Um, he can't be playing as, as often as, as he once did. And yeah, with, with the circumstances, the, the conditions around traveling around the world at the moment, it's completely understandable. Um, you know, maybe he's got a slight knock, maybe he hasn't. Um, if anyone can, can yeah, manage their body as we saw at the Australian Open, it's Novak Djokovic. So yeah, I, you know, I, I have complete trust with these guys like Nadal, Federer and Djokovic in, in uh, picking out their, their schedules and um, what sort of, uh, yeah, what sort of um, schedules that they want to have in, in building towards producing their best tennis at the biggest events. Um, so, yeah, not not a surprise to see all three of them really um, uh, not prioritise the Masters circuit. I don't, I don't think, even though it's quite a lot of ranking points, it's not as prestigious um, than the Slams. You know, a Grand Slam is only double the ranking points of a Masters, but in terms of what it would mean to them, it's worth a lot more than than double um, than double a Masters. So, uh, you know, I'm not surprised to see them take some time out and, uh, yeah, give themselves as as much room for uh, for building towards the French Open as, as they can and as they'll need. Yeah, for sure. And as you sort of touched upon there, um, with the... A uh, little injury he had uh, troubled him a little bit at the Australian Open. We don't know if that's still uh, uh, hassling him a little bit. Um, of course, we had earlier on, we knew this already, uh, Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer not playing uh, Miami. Nadal wanting to focus on the clay court season. Federer uh, wanting to gear up for the grass court season uh, with with his fitness. Uh, obviously, paramount concern, considering he only just returned to the sport after so long out. Uh, Dominic Team also a casualty. Uh, he uh, has wanted to reset for the clay court season as well, uh, after a, perhaps a little bit of a disappointing start to the uh, year. And uh, also the likes of Stan Ravrinka and Gal Monfils missing from this tournament, as well as a host of other names. You can find the full list online. We're not going to read them all now. But uh, we have got some some big players playing uh, in, in terms of the new world number two. Uh, Daniel Medvedev does top the draw. Uh, but also uh, a great chance for Britain's Jack Draper, as Marcus mentioned uh, his name earlier. Wimbledon junior finalist a couple of years ago. Uh, 316th in the world. He's been giving a wild card into this tournament and he will face uh, the 105th ranked veteran, Mikhail Kukushkin, in the first round. Uh, Kukushkin, a name that's been on the tour forever, really. Um, been, I'm sure he's probably been top top 50, top 40 before 
um, perhaps even top 30. I'm not sure, but uh, he's, he's been around a long time, so it'll be a real tough, tough match for Jack Draper, uh, the the young Brit, uh, who I believe is is 19, um, I think. Uh, so, yeah, uh, great for him to be uh, playing at a Masters tournament at this young age. Um, and also uh, Liam Brody, uh, the British player, he is playing qualifying at the moment, and he came through against a 16-year-old uh, yesterday in Junchang Shang of China, um, winning that actually in a third set, a very close match, and he's just been forced into a third set in his last qualifying match against Federico Zhao of Italy. Uh, so Brody could be uh, making it four Brits in the main draw, uh, with the others being Cameron Norrie and Dan Evans, who goes in as the 19th seed. Norrie facing uh, Yoshihito Nishioka, and Dan Evans will face either Francis Tiafo or Travaglia in the second round. Um, so before we go on to our predictions, uh, I'll just ask you, Marcus, um, thoughts on, on seeing Jack Draper, perhaps a little bit of a surprise he's been given a wild card into this. Um, I'm not sure of reasoning. There might be a certain sort of thing that he's won to do it. But, um, yeah, a, a good time to see him there. And how do you think he'll get on against Mikhail Kukushkin? Yeah, a really interesting one. He's not a player that I thought we'd see on the main tour this year, probably at all, unless he got a wild card into Wimbledon or Queens or something like that. Um, but, no, I think the first round draw for him is almost perfect. Um, you know, Kukushkin is a player who's very competitive, um, you know, won't won't give anything away. He'll have to really earn everything that he gets against Mikhail Kukushkin. He's a really tough competitor. He's recently fallen out of out of the top one hundred. Um, so I think that leans towards giving Draper even more of a chance. You know, he, he's probably got close to the same. Or I mean, not many of them have won many many matches so far this year. So it's quite evenly matched. Obviously, Kukushkin's got a much better record than him in the in the last couple of years. So he will rightfully come in as favourite. And I have got him to beat Draper, but I just think it's a great match. You know, it's a free hit for him and it's a player that he can realistically beat. Um, you know, Kukushkin has not played well since the, the COVID-enforced break, really, and has fallen out of the top 100, as I've mentioned, as a result. So it's a player on the way down, but also a player who will make him work very hard and it will be a, um, how do I say this, a, a kind of a, a good way to play his first main tour event, a good introduction to playing the types of players that he'll play if, fingers crossed, he eventually gets to the stage where he's pushing to break into that top 100 in the next few years. Yeah, I think that's a very fair assessment uh, that you give there. Marcus, a, a very tough match for Jack Draper and one that I don't expect him to win either, but uh, definitely one of the nicer ones of the potential opponents that he got. I, I don't think it's one that he's going to go out there and and feel that he doesn't have a chance. I, I think he will hopefully uh, really, really have a go at Mikhail Kukushkin and, and, and try and get into that second round. And I think I think you said, is it Aslan Karatsev awaiting the winner of that match? So, you know, what a fantastic experience for, for young Jack Draper if he could get in and play the man of the sport at the moment in uh, Aslan Karatsev, the, the brilliant story of 2021. And, and dare I say it, maybe even beat him, uh, perhaps a little bit of stretch 
too far. Um, so we'll go on and look at our predicted draws now. Uh, we'll start with our quarterfinals and I will start with mine. I'll just get that up. Okay, uh, so going down from the top of the draw, my first quarterfinal will be the top seed, Daniel Medvedev. I've got him to come through against Dan Evans uh, in the fourth round. And in the quarterfinal, I've got him to face John Isner, someone we haven't actually seen too much of recently. However, has a fantastic record at the Miami Masters, uh, has made the last two finals, uh, won it a couple of years ago. And I believe lost in the final, or no, he might have won the last one. Uh, and the year before that, I think lost to Federer in the final. Might have been the Dow, but I think think it was Federer. Um, and I just, you know, I I look at his little quarter of the draw, and I'm not really sure who I see beating him there. Um, I think if John Isler can turn up at what is probably one of his favourite tournaments and definitely his most successful tournament of the year, uh, if he can turn up and serve well, I think we could definitely be seeing him in the quarterfinal. Uh, second quarterfinal, I've got the uh, recent Acapulco champion, Alexander Zverev, uh, to face a little bit of a, a surprise pick, perhaps for this one, to face Tommy Paul of America, an uh, American player that I know we both quite like, um, quite a free-hitting player, uh, good to watch. Um, I've got him to beat the 22nd seed, Taylor Fritz, uh, before beating the ninth seed, Grigor Dimitrov. Uh, two players, Fritz and Dimitrov, that he's quite hard to rely on at times. Uh, so I felt that uh, I fancy Tommy Paul to get through to that quarterfinal to face Alexander Zverev. Second quarterfinal, uh, I've gone for an all-Russian affair between the man himself, Aslan Karatsev, uh, against Andrei Rublev. I've got Andre Rublev to get through against young Lorenzo Massetti in the fourth round and put him to do well. Um, coming up against Benoit Pair in the second round and Marin Cilic in the third round, I think it could be two real good wins for the Italian there if you can get them. And uh, and then the last quarterfinal, I've got a, perhaps a little bit of um, a surprise one. Uh, I might be regretting this. I've got uh, Ugo and Bear, who's not had the best start to 2021. Uh, but I've got Ugo and Bear to face uh, another player that I didn't really think I'd be backing to make a quarterfinal in Alex de Manur. Um, I actually have put Kane Ishikori to beat Stefanos Sitsipas in the third round, Sitsipas being the second seed. Uh, I've gone for Nishikori to win that match, but then I have gone for de Manur to beat Nishikori. So I feel like I've gone for a few risky picks Uh as far as my quarterfinals are, confer, uh, are concerned. But when I look at the lineup, look at all the players missing, I, I do think it's one of those tournaments where you could really be seeing any anyone in the quarterfinal, really. Yeah, very interesting um, choices. I've got a fair few dif uh, differences. Um, so, yeah, so to start at the top, I've got top seed Daniil Medvedev to make the quarterfinal just... As you do, he's got some big servers in his first two matches. I've got him to beat Sam Query and Riley Opelka. Uh, so it could be a fair few tie breaks and time spent on, on court in those matches. And then to overcome Dan Evans to make the last state. I've actually got him to face the inform Roberto Bautista Agut in the quarterfinal. Um, I have uh, John Isner to win a couple of matches by having to go out to Felix Auger Aliasim in the third round. I'll then have to lose to Bautista Agut. Um, yeah, he's got a bye first round. Then I've got him to beat Lloyd Harris. 
and Ricardo Asperankis, who I have to beat uh, Jean-Leonard Struff, who plays a qualifier in the first round. Um, so I'm going to try and wait and see who that qualifier is. This is kind of an anti-Struff um, pick because I, I, he's just not playing very well at the moment. Got absolutely dispatched by Shapovalov last week in Dubai. Um, so yeah, be a and in, you know this is an opportunity for Bautista Agut if he wants to push the top ten again. Plenty of points on offer here and make, make it a quarterfinal will be a good achievement for him. Then in the second quarterfinal, um, this is the first of two where I have a completely different selection to you. Uh, I have Doha champion Nikolos Basilashvili versus Taylor Fritz. So that could be a big one in the, I think it's the second round, um, potentially between Tommy Paul and Taylor Fritz. Got him to beat Paul, beat Cameron Norrie, who I have to beat Grigor Dimitrov in the third round and beat David Goffin in the fourth to set up that match with Basilashvili, who I have a tricky run, but I think he's playing really well at the moment. And yeah, I'm going with the Alexander Zverev inconsistency rule. And uh, so I've got him to beat, uh, to, to lose out to the Georgian in the third round and then him to beat Yannick Sinner in the fourth round, which could be an interesting one. I think Sinner's got quite a tough path, but could easily, you know, that, that is a nice sort of eighth, sort of section of the draw, some really good players in there. I've got Basilashvili to come out on top and meet Fritz there. Then the third quarter final, I've got the same as you, Karatsev versus Rublev, a rematch of their uh, semi-final match in Dubai. On to uh, Lorenzo Massetti. He's got a lovely first couple of matches. Um, I can't quite remember off the top of my head who he plays in the first round, but Benoit Pair in the second is very nice, who, who's got a bye. And then potentially Chilich in in uh, the third round could be good as well. Yeah, Massetti playing Michael Moe, uh, the wild card in the yeah. first round. You'd, yeah, you'd expect him to be a, a clear favourite for that one. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's a good opportunity for Marin Chilich to be honest this week to get a few wins under his belt. He, you know, he's won a couple here and there, and then lost disappoint in disappointing fashion, or uh, in the sort of last year or so, really. Um, but you know. He plays Christian Garin in the second round, which I think is quite a nice matchup on a hard court. Yeah, if, if he can beat Massetti, which I have him too, I've got him to make the fourth round, which is for Croatian. And then in that bottom quarter final, I've also got a completely different uh, lineup to you. I've got Denis Shapovalov versus Stefano Sitsipas. Now, like you, I was kind of looking for a way to tip Sitsipas to go out early, to be honest. Um, you know I like Kevin Anderson. I had him to get to the quarterfinal of the Australian Open, which didn't happen. So potentially him playing Tsitsipas in the second round is a is a horrible second round for the Greek, considering you know he gets a nice buy in the first round. And then Nishikori could be tough. And then I've got him to beat Lorenzo Sonigo in the fourth round, who I have to put out Alex de Menor. But um, so yeah, I think I think his road in Miami will end at the quarterfinal to Denis Shapovalov, who albeit does have a tough run. I've got him to get past Jeremy Shardy and Ugo and Bear on his way to the quarterfinal. And before we reveal our winners and other finalists, as I mentioned, Norrie to beat Dimitrov is one of my shocks, but uh, possibly the main one in terms of a, an outsider is Jordan Thompson to beat Milos Raonic in the second round. Uh, yeah, I'm just checking now. Feel like I might have that as well. Uh, no, I have actually got Ryanich, and uh, obviously will not be changing it. Um, 
Okay, well, yeah, as we uh, go on down, Drudge, one thing I was just going to quickly say, you said a nice couple of matches for Marin Cilic. I agree, I've got him to lose to Lorenzo Vassetti, but this is the sort of draw that I look at, and I think we could plausibly be seeing Marin Cilic out of nowhere be making a semi-final or a final this week. I feel like he's that sort of player, he's sort of a flair player out of nowhere, just goes on a brilliant run. It's perhaps been a little while since we saw it, um, obviously with the, with the guys... A little bit older now, but um, yeah, I, I definitely do think there's a really good chance for Marin Cilic here. I definitely think that uh, when I was doing my draw. Um, I have got to progress. Uh, so I've actually got Ugo and Bear to win that quarterfinal against um, uh, against Diemner, uh and, and to face Rublev in the semi, but I've got Rublev to win that uh, and set up an all-Russian final with Daniel Medvedev uh, and Medvedev to, to win against Rublev in the final. Um, Marcus, I'm going to have a little guess that you put Aslan Kratsev to beat Andre Rublev. No, definitely not. The road ends there for me. I think Rublev can definitely get revenge in that quarterfinal. And just like you, I have him to make the final and lose out to his countryman, Daniil Medvedev. I know he's been, obviously had that loss to, uh, Dusan Lajevic so you could argue maybe there's some inconsistencies creeping in but you know it's only one loss um, yeah he's an outstanding player by far the most accomplished in the field over the last couple of years is, is Daniil Medvedev so I think he's rightful favourite to win the title um, so yeah we, we're in agreement there just before I think we, we, we go on to guess the player I've got a little bit of trivia for you on the Miami Masters now with the high-profile absentees obviously not playing the event, there's a, there's uh, so with the players in the draw, there's only a total of nine Masters 1000 titles that have gone to the players in the draw. I'm not going to ask you to sort of rattle off how many each player has won, but there's five players in the draw that have previously won Masters 1000 events. Can you name all five? Okay, so just to clarify, there are, there are five Masters winners uh, in the draw. You didn't write this question uh, before Andy Murray pulled out, I'm going to assume. Andy Murray's not an answer. Okay, He's cool. Answer, okay. Um, right, so... Um, okay. Uh, Medvedev's going to be one. Yeah. yeah. Um, number two... Well, Marin Cilic is going to be one. There's three... As, so sorry, that's that's two. Um, okay. Um, since the pass with a one-one. Um, so that's three. Um, Zverev with a one-one. With one more than one. Uh, so Medvedev since the pass Chilich Zverev. Rublev has never even got to a quarter in one. I don't think. Uh, so we've actually got him to. Really well this week in terms of his master's form. Um, has Bautista a good one? One, uh, I don't think so. Oh, no, it's John Isner. I said anyway, he won Miami, uh, before, so it's John Isner. Four out of five. Wait, which one's wrong? Um, I'm, I'm... Stefanos sits a pass. So okay, he's um no. I'll, I'll let me have one more guess. I'm surprised actually six person had won a masters. Um I suppose he won the O2, which is probably what I've got in my head. Um is it Bautista again then? I don't think he's won one. No, 
the answer is Karen Karen Hatchinoff. Hatchinoff. Sorry, it just came in. He won um, Paris in 2018. Correct. Something 19. like that. Beat Djokovic yeah. in the final, I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, a fantastic week for Karen Hatchinoff there. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll take that. Take that. Okay, uh, well, now uh, Marcus will carry on quizzing me. We're going to move on to guess the player, although quickly I will just update you that Liam Brody has match point to make the uh, Miami Masters at point of recording. A fist bump from Marcus. And uh, if I don't mention that again, um, well, you know, he's lost that match point now, so who knows what's happened. We'll just go on to uh, guess the player. Come on, Liam. Right, yeah, so uh, without further ado, the first clue is that this player is 28 years of age. Okay, 28 years of age. Uh, could really be anyone. Uh, we'll go for... Uh, Caruso. I like I like the thinking. No idea what his age uh, is. I just kind of thought it was a fun one. Around, to I get. think he's twenty-seven. I think he's twenty-seven. Uh, right. Second clue. This player has three career titles. Two came in twenty seventeen, and one came in twenty eighteen. Okay. So he's, was he 28 now? So he won two titles when he was 24 and one title when he was 25, roughly. So um, obviously, depending on when his birthday is, but perhaps someone who may have quite a good start to their career and maybe has tailed off a little bit. Um, Milos Reinic. Interesting shout. I think he's a bit older now. I think he's 30 now, Reinic. Yeah, and he might have won one or more two titles. I think. I think he'd be disappointed to have won just three, but um, but yeah, that, he hasn't won tons. Uh, the third clue: this player is currently ranked at one hundred twenty-six in the world. Okay, definitely someone that's uh, had a bit of a fall from grace. Um, got no indication of sort of where the titles came from. Uh, in terms of surface. Um, I'll give you that if you want, because I don't think it gives much away, to be honest. Uh, I don't mind. I don't mind. I'll, I'll have yeah, another... So you got two hard, one grass. The grass was in 2018. We'll steer away from the, the clay court players. So one grass in 2018. Now, there's not many grass court champions, to be honest, because there's not many grass court tournaments. Um, trying to think of past... Eastbourne winners um, got Andres Seppi's won that a couple of times, but he is definitely older than 28. Um, didn't uh, what you say two on hard, one on grass? Yeah, okay. So I think Steve Johnson won Eastbourne, but uh, he's obviously got titles on clay. Um, being at the uh, the Clay Court Championships in the US, so it won't be Steve Johnson. Uh, then you've also got the, the uh, grass court tournaments in Hurt and Genbosch, who I couldn't really name anyone who's won that. 
Uh, and then there's one in Germany, isn't it? The name always escapes me. Um, Federer's won that quite a few Hello. times. Hello, that's it. Um, it's none of them. He's won it in Antalya, which was a was not oh, okay. last court event at the start of this year. So obviously that had moved in the calendar and changed surface. Yeah, yeah, no, I did know that was a grass court one of um one point. Um tough to be honest. Um I'm gonna go back to sort of the age. So it's someone who sort of came onto the scene looking perhaps a bit more promising than they have been now being ranked down 126. May have had injury problems. Um I'd say don't put him on too high a pedestal. Like when we did uh, Martin Clizan and you were shocked at the end to mm. realise that he won six career titles. This player, True. I was not massively shocked, but I didn't think he'd got oh. many career titles and three seemed decent. This, Yeah, okay, fine. I'll, I'll go Thomas Fabiano. It's not Thomas Fabiano, sadly. Liam Brody, Liam Brody has qualified for the Miami Masters. Yes, that's very, very good. Liam Brody definitely playing the best tennis of his career at the moment and will be at a career high after qualifying that uh, from next week. So there you go. Uh, carry on, Marcus. Uh, Q4. This player's first name and surname begin with the same letter. For <laughs> God's sake, okay. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of alliterative names, to be honest. Um, it's not Sloane Stevens, sadly. <laughs> okay, let me have a think. Think I've got it. I don't. I wasn't sure that he'd won a title on grass, but then obviously with it being Antalya, I don't really ever. It is an initiative name. Twenty-eight is about right. One hundred twenty-six. Though I don't. I'd be surprised if he's ranked that low now. Demir de Zumher or Zimmer. That is correct. Yeah. Is Zuma, is that I was going to go for Demir. Zuma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one hundred twenty-six. He's had a bit of a fall from grace. Yeah, maybe a little bit uh, injury in, enforced. Um, but, mm. you know, plenty of time. But, yeah, he's been horribly inconsistent over the last few years. Uh, so, yeah, Demir Zuma is the uh, guest the player for this episode. And, of course, my last clue was going to be that he beat Ulysses Blanche yesterday in qualifying and will face Alejandro Tabilo for a place in the Miami Masters later on today. Well, I'll tell you what, if that was going to be your last clue, I wouldn't have got it because uh, though I have been following the uh, the qualifying for Miami, I, I hadn't quite remembered uh, the, the name uh, Zimmer beating uh, whoever, uh, Blanche and, and facing someone that you just said, uh, Tabilo, Tabilo. So, yeah. Um, but no, that's your guest player this week then. Uh, Demir Zimmer uh, perhaps got a few more years left to see if he can get back into the top 100 and maybe even win a fourth title. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. Perhaps Miami this week uh, is the title for him. Um, that's pretty much it now um, for the podcast. Um, obviously, with uh, Miami coming up, uh, we'll be focusing on that over the next couple of podcasts. So we'll be back probably... Uh, in, in under a week, I'm sure, just to sort of uh, talk the, the first rounds of Miami. Uh, we'll definitely get an episode in before the conclusion of that tournament. Uh, Marcus, thank you very much for joining me. No problem at all. Been uh, very enjoyable. It's, you know, like I said, at the, right, at the, right at the top of the show, it's really good to get back onto that master circuit as 
brought up some incredible entertainment in the last few years. Um, yeah, we won't be won't be a podcast towards the end of this week, but definitely at some point when we're approaching sort of the the latter stages of the competition, we'll try and uh, get some more coverage out on Twitter. That's at Tennis Fanalist. If you want to join in the predictions, it's the Tennis Fanalist podcast is, is the group name on tennisdrawchallenge.com. Possibly the best tennis prediction site out there. Um, you know, we've been using it quite quite a few years now. And uh, so, yeah, it's some good fun. Um, thanks for listening and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe.